0: Hi, it's Scott here. On these lessons episodes of my podcast, I'll be selecting my favorite lessons from various guests and episodes of Success Story. Today, you're gonna hear from Denise K. Schultz. She is an internationally recognized leader in the market, investing, and trading psychology space. Her expertise in neuroeconomics, the mental game of trading, and markets themselves make her an extremely popular speaker and educator at Wall Street conferences. She has coached hundreds of portfolio managers on the psychological game of trading and educated thousands more in what neuroscience is revealing about how we truly process risk decisions. Her clients span four continents and 10 countries. She has an MA from the University of Chicago in neuropsychoanalysis. She formerly ran trading desks in proprietary trading shops, and she is the author of Market Mind Games, which has been reviewed as the Rosetta Stone of trading psychology. She has appeared in the media numerous times, in particular her appearance on CNBC's Squawk Box in both the USA and Asia received rave reviews. She has been profiled by uh, Financial Times and Wall Street Journal, and today she's going to speak to you about how to make decisions without any sort of bias. What do you recommend, people, after after you sort of show them the light, so to speak, and, and, and they start to understand that every decision that they make has all these biases attached to that decision. Then, then how do they go through life?
1: Yeah. So the question to learn to ask yourself and to answer accurately, and those are two separate tasks, but is what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? And you want the answers to be the truth now. That's easier said than done. Um, a lot of my coaching is like helping people get the accurate answer because what they think they're feeling or why they think they're feeling is generally not what it is. Um, this will, by the way, circumvent the cognitive biases. Mm-hmm. So a thing in the behavioral finance cognitive bias, you know, confirmation bias, recency bias, literature is well, yeah, your human brain is biased and there's nothing you can do about it, you know, and you're stuck with that. It's not true. <laughs> um, it's based on the wrong model of the brain. It's based, it, I mean, it's called behavioral finance or cognitive behavior because it's like thinking and doing, you know, thinking and behaving. You know, like the juice is in the feeling. So <laughs> the cognitive behavior world doesn't get that. So like confirmation bias when you see the thing you want to see. Well, everyone talks about how difficult it is to circumvent that or to avert it. Well, all you have to do is like realize like what's that feeling, and what that feeling is usually like. If you and this happens all the time with hedge fund managers. I mean, I had a relatively new client yesterday talking about like he went to his investment committee and he stated like his viewpoint, and he's in commodities, you know. And so this is my viewpoint of how commodities are going to play now. And then he said, you know, if he starts to look like he's wrong, you know, he doesn't really want to go back to the investment committee and say, you know, on second thought, never mind, I was wrong. Because (laughs) why? Because it's embarrassing. You know, he's afraid he'll react negatively. So people behave in what looks like confirmation bias, i.e., they only see the data that supports whatever their viewpoint already is. not because they're just programmed to do that, because at the moments that they're seeing conflicting data, they're predicting this future emotion of, you know, that's unsafe, right? They're going to be embarrassed. Their boss is going to be mad at them. And they're basically trying to avoid that scenario. Well, the truth is, if you face that scenario earlier in the, your process, whatever, the chances that you end up with the embarrassment go down because like when you, you, you've stated some, you know, prediction to your firm, whatever it is, I don't care, sales, investment, I don't care, whatever it is. And you start to get information that's not working out the way you thought. Well, the sooner you get that and the sooner you change course and address, you know, the better, the odds of a better outcome, right? But if you delay because you don't really realize you're predicting this future of embarrassment, the outcome is probably worse. But like people have no cognitive ability to override that underlying prediction of embarrassment, except to use their thinking to address, wait a minute, I'm really worried. You know, I don't want to turn out to be wrong, because I have sounded like an idiot. It's going to be embarrassing. And maybe I'll even lose my job because people have tendency. Catastrophized. But the truth is, the earlier ending scenario that you can face, you know, alternative data that shows your prediction may not be turning out. The, like, chances are you can course correct earlier. But it requires knowing that you're feeling like you're predicting this future problem. That's going to give you, it gives you the space to navigate um, that you don't have if you're just like, torturing the data to prove that your original prediction is correct while you're crossing your fingers and hoping and experiencing all this anxiety. that oh my God, I hope it turned out to be right. You know? <laughs>
0: like, well, I, it, when you say, when you, when you lay it out, it actually makes a lot of sense, but you, I guess, so the issue that we're sort of uncovering is a little bit of, like you mentioned, like we have biases, but after a certain point, there's ego involved. They're, like they're, you just don't want to be embarrassed. So when, when you speak to people that, operate at this level the things that are fears are they valid fears like I, in my opinion they would be valid fears like if i make a sales prediction and it's totally off at any point when i bring that up with my board it, it, they're probably going to have some level of um there's going to be some thought like as to whether or not i'm competent that's a, yeah, that's something that i right, feel hey. happen. <laughs>
1: scenario it's like completely logical right like so this is the thing like an emotion particularly like fear has a totally bad rap right mm-hmm. like you're not supposed to, be able to feel fear or give in to fear or whatever and, and like, it's not true like if it weren't for fear there's a lot of accomplishments we all have that we wouldn't have accomplished. Like who would really graduate from college if it weren't for fear? <laughs> right? You do all this other stuff, you know, but you're afraid of the outcome of only partying and not getting the actual degree. Like, so you do the work. You're, you know, you really do the work just because you want to do the work, right? Like you do the work because you're afraid of what will happen. Like in their pure form, fear, frustration, disappointment, have information for us. So we've got two problems. We've been told not to recognize any of them, and we've certainly been told not to focus on the so-called negative ones. When they're in their pure form, they're actually trying to help us. They're trying to keep us safe, trying to help us get what we want. Like frustration is something's going wrong. Take the extreme form of frustration. Well, the extreme form would be like rage, but let's take an interim anger why do people get angry because they feel as if something's wrong so and sometimes it is and sometimes it's their own personal um, expectation and that's like the next layer of this what part is real and what part is your own personality but we can come back to that like at its core like if you're angry about something your psyche is telling you that something isn't the way you think it should be and maybe you should try to Research yourself and find out what that is as opposed to saying I shouldn't be angry. Cause what the research actually shows is you suppress those emotions, particularly the negative ones, the voice in your psyche gets louder. So they become more disruptive, not less disruptive. And, and research the way actually
0: it, shows this if you suppress it. That yeah. this will
1: I mean there's you kind. know I mean the truth is, you know, in psychology research, you can probably find research to show whatever you want. But, <laughs> That's there, it, but, the, yes. but there's a good body of research that shows that understanding your negative emotions, acknowledging them, leads to better outcomes. Particularly if it matters to you. Like there was, when I first heard of this research, it was probably 2008. And I met this woman who at that time was a like a, postdoc phd and she had done this research project to show that reframing um you know situations was a net positive and to her credit her research showed that wasn't true that if you reframed in other words you know took a positive viewpoint of something on something that didn't matter that much to you it worked but if you did it on something that actually really mattered to you, your anxiety levels went up and it didn't work. Why? Because your psyches like your psyche really is trying to keep you safe and that kind of includes more than safe. like it includes thrive. So if you have some unpleasant feeling, it's like like, you know, all of a sudden you like feel this horrible pain in your leg and you look down and you know, you've got a gash in your chin for whatever reason, you know. Like what's the point? The point of the physical pain is like so that you do something about it. Why is it any different with emotional pain?